Well, hello and welcome, everybody. It is time for another Tech 37. Thank you so much, so much for joining us. My name is Rob Boyd, and today we've got an exciting topic for you. We're talking about healthcare and technology in an area that I personally think is probably one of the most interesting areas, even if you're not in healthcare, just because it probably is the best representation of so many different things that from an IT perspective we care about, from the complexity on the end user side to the numerous stakeholders to the uh, literally life in your hands type of important uh, importance placed around these type of things. And it is for this reason that we're gonna talk about this topic because things have changed and things continue to change and there are good answers for how we can deal with the challenges that have cropped up and position yourself in this healthcare environment as we move forward to be ready for anything that may come your way. Uh, it is uh, officially breaking down barriers to achieve the Anywhere Care workspace. So with that, let's kick off the show and I wanna introduce you to our expert guest for today. Let's get that started. All right, gentlemen, hey, thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to Tech 37. So glad to have you here. We'll start with introductions here just real quick. I wanna introduce uh, immediately to my side, Dr. Justin Collier is the Chief Healthcare Advisor and Industry Practice Manager covering healthcare and life sciences for worldwide technology. Welcome, Dr. Collier. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely, and then also we have Amir Siddiqui, the National Director for Healthcare End User Computing at VMware. I wanna welcome you as well, Amir. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Rob. This is awesome. So, Doctor, I'll start with you. We, we um, kind of started with the premise that there has been a lot of change in the healthcare environment. I think that goes without saying, but I don't know if we're all familiar necessarily with what has changed and maybe what has stayed the same. But I wonder if you could as best, because uh, I don't think this is an easy answer for anybody, but to summarize, uh, to put it, give us some context around healthcare and IT, what's the current state, what are the current challenges, uh, what's important to understand as we move forward in this? Yeah, absolutely. So in general, throughout you know, the past two years, the pandemic has really put a lot of pressure on every industry uh, and on every industry to do more uh, work remotely. Uh, I think that goes without saying. Uh, but healthcare certainly has not been spared from that. Um, anything that could be done remotely had to be mm -hmm. uh, the same as any other industry. But there are many, many things that typically could not have been done remotely as easily. Uh, in healthcare as perhaps some other industries. Um, needless to say, when it, when it comes to taking care of a patient, uh, a lot of that does need to be hands-on. Uh, but at the same time, we knew that there was the capability of delivering virtual healthcare, uh, delivering telemedicine consults, uh, televideo visits, and those types of things. Um, the pandemic accelerated that in a massive way. Right. Um, you know, Thousand-fold increases seen in many organizations in terms of the number of virtual visits that were taking place, uh, which was fantastic. It was a, a way to deliver care uh, in a very challenging environment while keeping those patients and the clinicians uh, safe. Um, needless to say, there are a lot of technology challenges and being able to scale up uh, something like that and to, to do it successfully uh, with good experiences and providing good outcomes. And that's one of the, yeah, the, the, the yeah. complexity that I think is present here in terms of it was complex before they were asked to go virtual. And in my experience working with multiple, across multiple industries, um, everybody's got an opinion prior to the pandemic about the ability to work remote. And, and many businesses that, that, that could technologically speaking, you know, that, that, that 
you know, for, and we'll say for healthcare, it'd be the, the places that are not specifically involving equipment that are certainly not going to be very virtualized. But there are so many functions that can do it. And just as a, a simple question before I ask Amir to dig into something here, doctor, would you say, in your opinion, have are there just as many good stories about uh, people that have responded, organizations have responded positively and learned through this, as well as others maybe that are that are learning the hard way, perhaps, and are still looking to catch up? No, I would I would say there are, there are probably mostly good stories, uh, and the best the best I guess headline is you know, well, care learned to innovate because they had to, yeah. uh, but they learned that they could have good success doing that, and it really accelerated that ability to transform, that ability to start to catch up uh, in terms of technology, in terms of being able to do things, whether it's you know remote workforce or, or other challenges that they were forced to overcome. Um, healthcare, I think, uh, pre-pandemic was probably conservatively a decade behind many other industries in terms of the adoption of technology. Uh, and the pandemic really forced them to do a lot of catching up in a hurry. Uh, but they discovered they could do it. Uh, and they discovered that there were a lot of other good things that came with um, actually going through that process. Uh, Yeah, I think that's one of the purposes. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, we're all all hopeful that that's going to be a trend that continues. Don't hesitate to ever interrupt me, or or I'm the type of, sometimes as a host and a talker for a living, I I will jump in and cut you off, and I I apologize. So be wary of taking a breath in the middle of a question, because I might interpret that as a, uh, as a pause that needs to be filled. Um, but either way, you can always uh, come right back, and, it, and that goes for all of you. Amir, I, I'm curious, you know, we talk about success stories and, and things going well. Uh, it can seem dire from certain, certain angles in terms of how things are done, but at the same time, I know you and VMware have been responsible for working with Worldwide and in many other situations as well, where you are assisting healthcare environments do things differently. And in fact, you had customers that were that were maybe more prepared than they even realized until they had to be for the the changes that were kind of forced upon everyone. I wonder if you could kind of highlight your perspective on where things stand and, and then what does that lead into strategy wise that you recommend? How can we share these best practices? Yeah, you bet. You know, first off, I was never, um, I would say smart enough to get the MD, like my good friend, Doc Collier here. And as a result, I've had this passion for healthcare, but I've never found the way to actually deliver onto it until now, right? Where I've really been able to be that that digital first responder oh, um, nice. to the first responders that are out there. So your question is is well posed, and uh, to just kind of piggyback off of what Doc had alluded to, which is you know we committed to a study with MIT, and we found that 89% of healthcare organizations have experienced an accelerated state of transformation, digital transformation. And even certain customers have taken 10-year initiatives down to two years. And you know the, the way I'm gonna answer your question is really in a, in a particular construct of, that's, that's, we're here, we are in this accelerated state now, right? And you know, customers, uh, partners, healthcare systems have really, the, the ones that have found themselves prepared for this, made the investments, made the investments in terms of ensuring that they're not caught flat-footed. They have focused on agility. They have focused on scalability. They have recognized that, you know, unfortunately healthcare is constructed of very disparate silos that have just accumulated over the course of years. And really we have spent time with them uh, to deliver, you know, those silos in a more connected state. We have kind of pushed these silos to the cloud, making sure that, you know, things are really delivered 
not so much in a legacy hardware on-prem perpetual state, but more so in a software-defined construct. And that's what's enabled them to get that agility, get that scalability, and deliver care with that anywhere, anytime experience that you know is so coveted nowadays. So a lot of this has, has really continued to, to, to develop and construct. And I think the other realization is a lot of healthcare systems for us are, are no longer viewing patients as just that. They're viewing patients as consumers and consumers are asking for more. They're asking for more scalability. They're asking for more on-demand services. Um, and this has really been a lot of our focus that's led to the Anywhere Care workspace that, that we're gonna talk a little bit more about. Well, I wonder if we could also set the stage, Doctor, I wonder if you could expand on what Amir is saying there. We talk about, you know, the consumer focus, orientation of a focus when it comes to patients. Uh, in tradition, we think about healthcare, immediately two constituencies, you think uh, practitioner or clinician and, uh, and an end uh, user receiving that care. But those are not the only stakeholders in this mix. I wonder if you could kind of briefly go through who are the people that we need to be concerned with when it comes to doing this correctly? What, what is the orchestra that has to kind of come together successfully in a nimble uh, healthcare organization? Yeah, so I, I would argue that all of the same roles that exist for, for any business, any organization exist in healthcare as well. Uh, that probably goes without saying, but um, those are key stakeholders as well. Um, you know, whether it's uh, you know, IT technologists that are keeping things running behind the scenes, you know, keeping the lights on, so to speak, uh, if it's hospital operations, if it's the supply chain managers, uh, the people that are making sure that the physicians have the right tools uh, and the right uh, treatments, medications, supplies available to be able to take care of the patients. Um, and then all of the facilities folks. I mean, there's every possible role that you could have in an organization, plus the clinicians and patients have to be taken into consideration. So it, it truly is a, a broad range of stakeholders uh, and each have their distinct needs. Uh, it's, it's bringing all of that together having solutions that can serve all of those needs. That's so vitally important. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's an interesting and mix. And it comes at an interesting time too, because I often think you're, you're, sure. ser you're doing services at a time when some, your end consumer may be at the most traumatic point in their lives or the most, uh, you know, the point where they're in least feeling in control. Um, everybody is tense. Uh, things cannot be procrastinated upon. Um, you know, things have to happen at a certain time, at a certain pace. Um, and as you're kind of setting up a mirror, really things have to happen and as opposed to, and I think we had this in the, in the description for the show itself, but this movement from I as a patient go to a healthcare environment to receive care um, is maybe gone in terms of, for all situations, obviously there's going to be many situations where that never can change. Uh, but you're seeing a mirror that, the, that we're taking healthcare out a bit. And I got to think that even beyond what I think my normal carpeted space is and, you know, the, the privileged life that I feel like I live, not everybody may have access to that. And I feel like these solutions are potentially setting up a, a, uh, an architecture that serves places that may not even have, you know, any type of reliable care. But I'm, I'm curious, what does, that, what does that architecture look like? What do we begin taking care of the silos? How do we begin getting past uh, some of the challenges that you outlined in the previous question? Well, you know, I think a lot of it has to also understand what you're what you're defining as this digital transformation strategy. It's not always necessarily focused around technology, product and service. Right. A lot of this um, has to deal with organizations understanding that a move to this digital transformation state is about people, process management, change management. And as a result, you have to look at 
you know, the individual uh, at, 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 uh, in question, their role, the responsibility, what processes, what applications, uh, what rules of engagement they have with the data and systems that they that they leverage on a on a day to day basis? How do we change those processes? How do we become more efficient? Right in healthcare, time saves lives, and that clinician clinician experience is something that we not only want to improve on, but that improvement around operational efficiency, as Doc alluded to, extends to different areas of the healthcare system. So change management, understanding, you know, the applications and that app rationalization that you have today is a key part. Um, it, figuring out the areas where we can really make improvements and do so to ensure that the individual in question has the ability of choice, choice on location, choice of application, choice of device, and giving them that, that blanket of security, which is so important to be able to execute uh, and critical, really, to, to facilitating their day-to-day -day role and responsibility. Well, let me ask you another question, Amir. And, and, and Doctor, I want you to weigh in on this as necessary, but I'm going to ask you to be specific, Amir. In terms, VMware is not new to this market. You've been doing it for a while, um, and you've been delivering uh, with multiple customers, as I kind of generically mentioned before. But can you tell me specifically, what does VMware do um, to, what, what is VMware offering and delivering upon to help customers achieve this? Right. So when you take a look at um, the Workspace One platform as a whole, right, this is this is the catalyst towards delivering that the, that anywhere care workspace. You have a legacy set of applications that are running on prem that still need to be delivered in a unified catalog experience. So whether it's on prem uh, applications, whether it's SaaS applications, whether it's mobile applications, we provide and really deliver that single experience, that unified experience to an end user for them to be able to execute their respective jobs. And in the background, we're providing that conditional access that's doing a lot of the checking on policies, who this individual is to help kind of confine to the overall zero trust framework that many of our institutions come to realize and implement. So we're really looking to take the best of all a healthcare system has to offer and put that in a single pane of glass for healthcare systems to be able to allow individuals uh, the access that they need on any form factor, any device, and deliver their respective uh, uh, responsibility or in the idea of a clinician, their respective, uh, I'll say, clinical engagement with patients on demand. Well, and beyond just the flexibility, doctor, I'm curious, uh, you can take this anywhere you want because it looked like you were about to weigh in before I jumped in faster. Uh, but uh, in terms of beyond even just the flexibility of, of moving to work from home where appropriate in healthcare and brings, taking services outward, I'm also conscious of the fact that I've heard you speak to um, the, the burnout, the challenges of, of getting things done, of documentation that must go on constantly. Um, and these are all things that are huge efficiency hits, you know, time that could be spent with patients relaxing into a, an interaction uh, and different things like this. Uh, are there... Uh, are, when, when Amir speaks of these changes that VMware is bringing, are these technologies and the, and the additional things that Worldwide brings to it, are these providing answers for, uh, for self-care, for the ability to have a longer lasting career and feel like you're really engaged with your patients? I'm curious where you think the technology is helping in that, in that area. There's a lot to unpack. I think <laughs> I you asked at least three questions at the same time there. Um, let me, let me start back with, you know, the foundation of where we are uh, and where it's where it's headed um you know you alluded to it you know care is moving outside the walls of the hospital 
uh, in a very distributed model. Uh, in speaking with uh, a group of CIOs recently, they were uh, very adamant about that. Um, you know, they see the future of hospital as being somewhere that critical care takes place, you know, the ICU environment, and that surgeries uh, take place, but only the biggest of the surgeries. Uh, many of those are moving more toward uh, ambulatory or same-day type surgery environments where the patient comes in, has their surgery, goes, goes home the same day. More and more procedures are being able to be done that way, which is great for the patient. You know, keeping the patient at home um, you know, where they are surrounded by their loved ones, they're not exposed perhaps to some of the same uh, infection risks that can happen uh, when you're around other people that are sick, those types of things. Um, so that model is becoming more and more distributed at the same time, it's also becoming more and more continuous, uh, more continuous care. Um, you know, previously, our healthcare system was set up as a, a sick care model. Um, you received care in an episodic way um, when you were sick or you needed something, uh, something specific to be done. Um, if you think about it, that's not very preventative. Uh, and you know, prevention is... Uh, as a wise person once said, an ounce of prevention is more than a pound of cure. Uh, so I think that's definitely the case. So we're seeing that transition as well, uh, so that it's more continuous care and preventative, you know, preventative care, uh, keeping people healthy, moving toward truly delivering health care or, or wellness, uh, rather than just being reactive and taking care of people uh, when they have acute needs. Um, and the technologies we've been talking through are absolutely critical for that. Um, being able to do work from anywhere, but also to deliver care uh, to uh, the patient when they have, you know, their desire to interact with the system, or when they have that when they have that need on their terms. Um, we're also more concerned with the patient as a stakeholder. Um, definitely considering them as a consumer or customer, but more importantly, just not taking them for granted and realizing that more and more they have choice in terms of where they go to receive care as some of you know, the retail giants and the tech giants are getting more and more into the healthcare delivery space. More and more of the insurers are blurring the lines in terms of who takes care of the patient, who does which things for the patient. Uh, and so all of these non-traditional players are coming to the market all at the time of this tremendous upheaval that uh, the pandemic has brought. Uh, so those tools that Amir spoke about are really critical toward being able to deliver that in an agile and nimble uh, in a speedy and scalable way um, so that you can provide the tools to be able to execute on those, those initiatives. Um, a lot of that uh, is very, very helpful. And yes, it does add additional complexity. Um, before the COVID pandemic, there was the pandemic of, of burnout, of moral injury, of uh, clinicians feeling that the system was overwhelming, that the inefficiencies were overwhelming, uh, and that they weren't truly able to deliver the kind of care that they felt needed to be delivered to the patient. Um, so bringing all of those things together in a way that provides more efficiency, that provides uh, that capability and flexibility for clinicians to work at the top of their license, to be able to take care of patients, to see the positive outcomes, and perhaps have a little more uh, of that balance in terms of how much of their time is spent uh, with 
busy work and trying to navigate technology is is absolutely critical. Um, and making them mobile, yeah, you know, having them not tied to a computer at a uh, desk or a computer at a workstation, but being able to do the work um, as they go through their day uh, in the way that makes the most sense to their workflow. Um, so those those combinations uh, of efforts are are intended to help. And there certainly are other technologies and services that can help to deliver those more efficiently so that they're spending less time even just trying to log in, uh, if that makes sense, and get access to the tools they need to do their job. Uh, if you can save somebody you know, half a minute or a minute every time they log in, but they're logging in and out of the system 100 times a day, uh, that ends up to being real time that they get back to do things that are more meaningful. Go ahead, Amir. Doc, I was just going to say, I mean, you, you, your experience as a physician you could probably relate, you know, when we first went digital, so to speak, right? We, we tried to eliminate paper charts for the most part. Um, and that idea of burnout, there was a tremendous amount of inefficiency even at that juncture, right? And, you know, my fear is with the accelerated state that we're in, we haven't figured out everything, but the operational efficiency and really focusing on that as a KPI when we go about this change has got to be very, very important, right? As you're alluding to, because even though we're seeing tremendous innovation and tremendous acceleration in how we take care of patients and what patients expect um, of their healthcare systems, this also opens up the door to more inefficiency, right? So you're asked to do more, you're asked to leverage different systems or use other systems on top of the normal documentation process. Would you would you kind of agree that that can be you know challenging in this newfound state that we're in? Absolutely, absolutely. And having the right stakeholders not only tell you what it is that they need, but vet those solutions as they're as they're going into place, and having the right expertise, uh, having the right folks that can come alongside and understand the workflow uh, to help make sure that it's being done in a thoughtful way that's going to be uh, you know, more productive than it is destructive. Uh, if that makes sense, I think is absolutely critical. And that's a key role that our teams together uh, at least aspire to be able to deliver every time. Um, we, I think, do a great, uh, a great job of making sure that the best practices we see across the industry get shared, um, that the best ways of doing things and the pitfalls to avoid are known uh, as uh, organizations are going through these changes. Yeah, so, so Rob, you know, when you kind of, I'm sorry, you, you know, when you kind of mentioned earlier about strategy, but, you know, along with that strategy are these, these key elements of success that need to be well documented when we go about working with our customers, because, you know, there is the idea of eliminating technical debt with a solution like uh, the Anywhere Care Workspace, which, you know, as again, we've had these disparate silos, but some of these silos we can interconnect, some of these silos we can have better collaborate and coexist with one another. And as a result, you know, I really feel being able to, to articulate and definitively measure, you know, what operational efficiencies would be given back to the end user, whether it's a, a medical coder, whether it is that facilities individual, whether it is the clinician, we really got to get good at documenting that, that operational efficiency and quite honestly, measuring that employee experience. Um, that has to be a key facet of, of any of these elements that we're discussing today. Yeah, but both of you have my head going in terms of also just, yeah, where do you measure success? You know, are, are there some obvious success measures at the very end in terms of, of life extension uh, and such like this? But there's so many things in the middle there uh, that are all going to lead to 
different outcomes. And I feel like, uh, do, do either of you have any comments on how the outcome has been lost to a certain extent as there's maybe been a scramble uh, to respond quickly? And, and do you feel like if, the, if you agree there's been a scramble, are we settling in and people are, and, and organizations are able to make more pragmatic decisions about how to go forward, how to uh, innovate possibly at a, at a new pace? Either one of you. So I'll start with, with a couple of comments, right? So you're right. When the pandemic was really in the throes in the midst of it, there, there was no rational thinking. We just did, right? Whatever was needed. Um, but when you come back out of that particular state, you probably recognize that a lot of the elements that were implemented, i.e., you know, we converted Jacob Javits Center into a full hospital, right? Um, and and a lot of the the time spent on that, you come back and you and you have to look at it to say, look, how many hours can we potentially save in in terms of automating certain processes that we just kind of did not really think about. So we've got to really, you know, spend some time uh, reflecting on those elements of change and what really can be cut back, what really can be measured in terms of improvements that that deliver a tangible return on on investment when it comes to reducing operating expenses, which you know can tend to run high when you have a situation like we are coming out of with the pandemic. You don't think, you just do. And, and this is something that we've really come around in, in terms of highlighting and focusing on uh, with what we call is, is really value realization. So whether it is operational efficiencies, whether it's employee engagement and productivity, we've got to put some metrics around this. Doctor? I was going to say one of the biggest risks anytime you're going through a period where you're just doing uh, certainly is, are you doing it securely? Uh, and I think that has to be part of this discussion as well. Um, yeah, not to completely derail uh, the it's direction not a derail we're at all. going. I think that's but... right on right on topic because zero trust was mentioned as being crucial when you start aligning these silos, and zero trust is kind of the model that it sounds like Amir is witnessing organizations take into consideration with these changes. But yeah, when it comes to security, there's always that balance, right? You want to make things easier on everybody to do what they need to do, but ease of use and security are always in type some type of a balancing act. I feel like, and uh, yeah, what's the in fact, I, I know some of your opinion on this, doctor, but um, how important is security? And it feels like there have been some things in the news. Uh, it, it, should healthcare be concerned about how they're handling, we talk about electronic health records and, and all the other systems that potentially become more exposed as we start getting more flexible, so to speak. What's, what's the importance to understand there? Yeah, there's so much to unpack in that statement. Um, yeah, that's my gift health, to you each healthcare, time. <laughs> healthcare has the most intimate details yeah. about each and every one of their patients. Um, it is data that can't be changed. You know, if somebody steals your credit card, you get a new credit card number. Uh, it can get fixed very quickly. If somebody has information about your health, about your um, you as a person, um, your, your not just identity, but maybe even down to some DNA information, mm -hmm. um, that's, none of that's changeable. Um, and so it's got to be protected uh, to the utmost. Uh, you know, extremely challenging to do, but it, you know, obviously very vital. Um, healthcare is probably the industry under the most attack because that information has so much value and so much value over a long period of time, um, unlike a credit card number, for example. Uh, it, that is... Uh, 
been something that you know, once upon a time, perhaps cyber criminals would say, you know, hands off healthcare, it's you know, yeah. bad mojo to get involved there. Um, that you know, I'm not sure when it went out the window, but uh, I think it was even pre pandemic. Uh, and we have seen just an increase, massive increase of healthcare systems that were under attack. And, you know, for example, with ransomware, uh, it can take a month, um, you know, 20 plus days to recover from an event like that. Uh, if you don't have the right tools in place to be able to recover. Um, and again, just, you know, as we were talking about keeping patients healthy, um, you know, prevention is uh, worth more than, than trying to recover. Uh, so that securing that environment has to be a, a uh, key focus of any initiative. And as we look at expanding outside the walls of the hospital, as we look at doing more for the patient and doing more continuously for the patient, all of that increases the attack surface that's available. Um, so employing the right tools that have security as a forethought, not an afterthought, uh, becomes that much more important, uh, increasingly critically. Yeah, Amir, I'm thinking about the, the whole point you made about time being so valuable. Ransomware is playing on that, that, uh, that insecure feeling we have when we don't have access to our data or we can't perform our functions because ransomware has perhaps infected and locked things up. So I can see where healthcare would be attractive from that standpoint. The clock is ticking and it just seems louder, you know, in the collective head, if you will, to deal with it. You're, you've seen yeah. customers asking the right questions, though, to move forward on this kind of stuff. What are you seeing? You know, I think our customers are acutely aware. And I'll also give credit to those customers that have unfortunately been breached, that have, have, have had these unfortunate circumstances, because what I've seen many of these organizations do is also be very transparent in their shortcomings so that others can learn and improve upon some of the pitfalls that they found themselves into. So I think as a, as a governing kind of body, healthcare is really binding together to really figure out what those shortcomings are and address them in a more pragmatic way because the concept of zero trust, right? The fallacy is that zero trust is not a product, right? It is a, it is a framework, it is a methodology. And there's not one solution per se that's going to check all the boxes. So the idea of really ensuring that that framework is implemented correctly, that you have the right subset of solutions to be able to execute and confidently deliver on what your clinicians expect is, is absolutely key. Because, you know, I think healthcare is also prone to shadow IT. And that shadow IT concept, right, of a potential physician um, out, of, out of really the idea of taking care of patients may implement something, may choose to go ahead and deploy something that they feel is tremendously offering a benefit to the community, the patients, et cetera. But really it, it's exposing and or putting the healthcare system at risk. So if you have taken the, the consideration of, you know, zero trust in that framework concept um, and you can help potentially limit that shadow IT, we're going to continuously see this improvement happen. So I've seen a lot of healthcare customers doing the right things implementing solutions in a more cohesive uh, manner to be able to really, you know, securely uh, deliver the applications and or experience that's needed. Well, we've got only got about five minutes left, but doctor, I'm also curious about uh, what you're seeing in terms of, you know, none of this stuff happens overnight, but no matter where someone is on some type of maturity continuum, um, they're always looking for ways and there is no cutover. <laughs> you know, I used to think, well, we're going to do a midnight cutover. Well, you don't get those in, in any type of uh, most hospital environments. I'm sure there's some that shut down at night for certain functions, but um, where are you seeing people get started and, and what do they take on first? Are there 
simpler things to do, lower hanging fruit, so to speak? Yeah, I think I think one of the keys is being able to provide access um, for mobility, um, and absolutely that is is critical. Uh, being able to provide as much as you can uh, to somebody on whatever device form factor that makes the most sense for where they are in that workflow. Um, that is a critical piece to the clinicians and, and to being able to deliver for the patients what they expect and what they need as we move into these new care models. Uh, yeah, that, I would say, is probably, for many, uh, one of the most low-hanging fruit uh, items. Uh, the other is being able to um, quickly and easily onboard um, whether it's a new application or a new employee um, who may be remote and you know, may never have been to the organization uh, in person, um, being able to make those uh, members of the workforce available because we do have labor shortages everywhere, um, whether it's clinicians, whether it's ITs, uh, whether it's cybersecurity experts, um, there's there's that labor crunch that we're all dealing with, uh, regardless of industry, uh, but it hits healthcare that much harder because there is not only a shortage, but there's also the burnout challenge. Um, so being able to quickly and easily uh, onboard uh, remote resources uh, is another critical item, I think, uh, that can be um, a make or break uh, for somebody's experience if they're newly onboarding. Um, is it easy? onboard can they quickly get up to being productive um, or is it a challenge uh, that you know, may make them rethink uh, that decision yeah. uh, to join that organization um, organizations that were proactive in terms of being able to deliver that anywhere workspace uh, you know, whether it's on a mobile device or through uh, pcs macs what what have you um, being able to deliver that well uh, pre-pandemic uh, were able to quickly pivot, uh, and it was just a matter of scaling up what they knew worked well already. Um, those that didn't have those capabilities may have you know, cobbled together solutions, uh, but really need to look at how they can mature that so that it's a long-term play. That makes some sense. Those are the, the, the two areas that I think are uh, sort of the, the low-hanging fruit or the areas to focus. It strikes me. I think change is hard, I think, for any type of organization. And I think, you know, with this complexity, you've, um, no matter how good you strategize, the idea of onboarding makes kind of makes me think about how well change can be adopted so that things could be executed upon um, in a manner that you could deem successful. Uh, because there's also that timeline. You know, people say, I never lost a, I, we didn't lose the game, we just ran out of time, um, you know, and those type of things. Because we've got to execute within a time frame. And then, because everything underneath this is changing. And then I'm also struck, and Amir, I'm curious about this, as a, and I'll, we'll come around to some final statements, but just the notion that you're, we're not just, uh, healthcare organizations, and correct me if I'm wrong, doctor, are competing also for talent in terms of their uh, physicians and their, their nurses and, and everyone else, especially I've, I've seen stuff in the news as recently as yesterday, you know, uh, nurses starting to travel because they're just, you know, how do you ignore good money being made available? Um, I don't know. It's just very interesting dynamics. This pandemic has taught me anything. It's to never say never because I thought I'd seen everything, you know, in a loose way uh, that could happen. And then things I thought would never happen have happened. And so now I'm, I think we all have eyes wide open saying, wow, we got to prepare for things 
that we can't always anticipate uh, necessarily. Uh, Amir, your thoughts as we uh, as we close things up. What's the most important? Yeah, look, important you know, I think the, the talent the talent idea that you just alluded to is is absolutely critical. And we've seen certain areas of healthcare, rural, actually double down on technology because you know what? If you're a physician, uh, Meridian, Mississippi, night might not be the best ideal location for you versus a, a city, but technology has been an influencer in, certain, in terms of saying, hey, look, we're giving you a mobile phone and that mobile phone is your digital stethoscope, right? Mm-hmm. And the appeal of technology in terms of uh, these younger generation of physician or the new generation of clinician is a very decisive factor in terms of where do I really want to choose to operate? Where do I want to work and commit to? Um, so that trend is is absolutely there, right? You don't want uh, I don't want my physician on help on on the phone with help desk trying to figure out how to log into their PC or Mac. I want them on the phone with me. Right. Um, and the Good idea point. of of onboarding um, and and really drop shipping a device to them so that they just launch it and they're good to go. It's not it's not fiction. It's there. It can be done. And that's uh, that's where collaboration really comes into play. And it goes again in terms of having that mindset to really change change management, people, and process. The technology is there and solutions like the Anywhere We Care workspace deliver on that. I, I feel like as we, because uh, I've seen this happen in other countries and I feel like it happens in kind of rural versus urban areas potentially as well, is there comes a point where technology has changed so much that when areas that maybe have not been through changes, they also don't accumulate some of the technical debt or the uh, legacy equipment that has to be accounted for when you're making these transitions. And so to a certain extent, do you agree with my supposition that there are areas that may be more behind, but they're actually easier for them to make the leap forward into using technology to uh, jumpstart their access to professionals, their their service to customers, that type of thing. Either one of you. Have yeah, any comments I, would, on that? I would agree with that. And I, I would argue that perhaps the smaller organizations are able to move more swiftly. Yeah. Um, certainly that happens in many, many uh, instances across industries, uh, but we're definitely seeing that. And of course, there's also enabling technologies we didn't uh, maybe have as readily available you know, 10, 15 years ago when you think through what can be done today with the cloud, um, you know, leveraging those types of resources to be able to move quickly and effectively uh, has really changed the game. Yeah, I was thinking if we didn't have time to get too much into the, the cloud aspects of this. Obviously, cloud plays a part in the delivery of these things, but it's got to be pragmatic. It's got to be with security involved. In my experience, cloud was what brought on the the shadow uh, IT uh, issues that everybody's been dealing with uh, because suddenly you didn't have to wait for corporate to to give you a device or give you access to certain tools. You'd more than likely go procure it on your own. And that's a a benefit and a curse uh, all at once. Regardless, these are realities that we have to deal with. And I think the healthcare environment is is fascinating for, uh, of course, my lawn people are coming by right now. Um, It's fascinating for how well um, uh, you know, uh, things can be achieved with, with very specific benefits that all of us are involved in in some manner. I've enjoyed the changes that my doctors made, uh, you know, just from a regular physician standpoint, because there are many things that I just, I don't want to have to drive over there and sit in a lobby and put on my mask and do all that kind of stuff. I'd rather meet virtually, get some quick answers, because I know I'm going to be referred to maybe another specialist. And it's like, can we accelerate that process in a secure manner? And I'm looking forward to the day that I can access my own records and kind of see um, exactly what's transpired in my care, that it's accurate, that it can easily be shared so that care could be brought faster. We're not waiting for faxes to go through or whatever else they're using uh, in some situations. Gentlemen, 
I certainly have enjoyed this and learned as usual. Uh, thank you for your time, Dr. Collier, Amiri, uh, Mark, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate your time. And uh, just speaking to our audience here real quick, guys, I'm going to put this up on screen. If you're watching this show, then you are on the platform at WWT. And there's a 10-second delay of me. I'm trying to scroll past that. Um, but I encourage you to scroll down. If you've not done this already, there are some fantastic resources being made available uh, just to bring a couple to your attention. If you, if you, some of this feels a little bit uh, new for you, there's a uh, Digital Employee Experience 101. No matter what industry you're in, you're going to find something valuable there on that. And then also this uh, End User Computing Roadmap Workshop. If you're feeling like you're ready to take some action now, you want to say, how do I begin planning and executing to go forward in a way that is, that is right for your organization and your specific needs? Worldwide Technology has a lot of different options to be able to assist you with, with making that happen. So please don't miss the related content at the bottom of the screen. Uh, but thank you to our guests. Thank you to Worldwide Technology and VMware. My name is Rob Boyd. Thank you so much for watching Tech 37. Please enjoy the rest of your day.